Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of St. Joseph Radio Presents. I am uh, your host today. My name is Ray Gerard, and I'm uh, joined in studio this morning by, well, I guess it's not this morning anymore, uh, but I'm uh, joined today by Father Anthony Wick. Father, welcome. Thank you for being here. My joy. Great to be with you. So Father is a spiritual director at uh, the White House Retreat Center, and he also, uh, you're directing how many seminarians? 26 total. 26 there. seminarians that he's also uh, directing at, at the seminary uh, currently. So uh, we are, we are uh, privileged and, and blessed to have somebody who's a lot smarter about the Catholic faith than I am. <laughs> but uh, we are going to ask him to uh, start us off because uh, with this program, like we do uh, with all of our programs, we like to start with a prayer. So, Father, if you would please. Certainly. In the name of the Father, and, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Gracious living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the beauty of these three days, the Triduum. We ask that you would give us the grace to help deep, to enter deeply into your experience of the Triduum, as you would wish us to do, that we may experience in our self-gift your ultimate resurrection. Bless our time together, open up our ears, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies to everything you wish to Give us, continue to form us ever more, Heavenly Father, into your perfect image, namely your Son. We ask this, the grace and power of your transforming spirit. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. I enjoy. So um, we thought that uh, today, I don't know, it was really hard to kind of pick what we might talk about today. Oh, yeah, it's Holy Saturday. We are in the midst of the most holiest weekend of the Catholic liturgical year. And so it really wasn't too hard to figure out what we were going to talk about today. And uh, That's right. um, So, you know, people, of course, approach this weekend in all kinds of different places in terms of their, their spiritual life. Um, you know, for a lot of people, you know, they may uh, they may not be too sure, uh, you know, what the Paschal mystery and the Triduum is is all about. They may go to church. Um, they may be, you know, as as you might say, going through the motions. And then for other people, it might be a deeply personal experience where you know, if they're going to mass, if they go to you know the Good Friday you know celebration. Um, if they're going to the Easter Vigil Mass tonight, they may, you know, be feeling it in their heart and in their soul in such a profound way. And, of course, there may be other people who may, may for example, go to church with somebody else just to uh, accompany them because they've been invited, but 
they don't really know much or don't accept much about the Catholic faith. There are people, of course, at all ends of this, this spectrum. And so wherever you are, wherever you're listening, we hope that today you know, we'll have something to talk about. But this idea of what is the meaning of the triduum, I, I don't know, you know Father, um, I don't know, maybe this is a good place to start. What does it mean to you? What kind of feelings does it, does it elicit for you? Yes, uh, Ray, it's an invitation. I see the Triduum, I see these High Holy Days as being an invitation to enter into Jesus' experience. I'll never live that fully, but he wants such intimacy with us, and he wants to invite us into his experience of this complete self-gift. And if we say yes to that experience, we will, in his own words, find ourselves. Huh? We'll find ourselves if we lose ourselves. He's going to show us how to lose ourselves. <laughs> in, from, from Holy Thursday through Good Friday, now Holy Saturday, there's an invitation towards total self-gift. And so we have to contemplate, meditate, enter into those, the, the passion narrative and experience to renew that experience of what Jesus went through as best we can, open up ourselves, open up the pores of our soul, if you will, to that experience so that it speaks to us about my renewed call to self-gift, to be, to live whatever my vocation, whatever my state of life is, to live that more holistically uh, and more as Jesus would wish. But there's going to be a lot of sacrifice in that. And sacrifice, the word means to make holy. So I'm called to make holy all that is around me, all of nature, in fact, my through my family, through my uh, wherever I work, what not to draw, all people back into that proper ordering towards the praise, reverence, and service of God. Everything's called back to its proper ordering. But until we enter into the sacrifice of Jesus, we don't help reorder the world, which is yearning for the redemption of the sons of men. I mean, that's uh, that's interesting what you said. I mean, that's that's really what he wants. I mean, he wants an intimacy. He wants he wants a uh, he wants us to allow him to enter in, to have a personal relationship with him. He really wants an intimacy with each and every person, does he not? Yes, yes. So back to your question, you know, how do I experience it? I experience it as an invitation to to slow down, to pray through the liturgies, not simply attend or, in my case, even celebrate these liturgies, but really to pray. And in between the liturgies, what's What's the experience of Jesus? What is he going through now when he's in the, the, the pit of the house of Caiaphas, which you can see in Jerusalem? And what is he experiencing in this, uh, in our choosing Barabbas over him? And how is he inviting us into this, this loving self-gift? He's choosing this. This is not just bad things happening to a good holy person. He's not just being scapegoated for his goodness, he's choosing this. This is his moment of greatest glory. This is the moment he's been waiting for. And so I'm invited also into that sacrificial self-gift. Like there's a, if I ponder more what's going on in Jesus and in his heart and his experience thereof and his experience uh, of the Father or lack of experience of the Father as we go into Holy Saturday especially, we can talk about that, then uh, how... It's going to bring me to a, a more holistic understanding of, of salvific history and my call to participate in the salvation of the world. It's amazing that you and I are called as his disciples to enter into his experience. He shows us how to enter into the world. He shows us how to help redeem the world. Even though he doesn't need help, uh, yet he asks for that. He wants, we're making up 
for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, in the words of St. Paul. What is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Nothing except our participation. So he wants Father Anthony, he wants Ray to participate deeply in his experience. We're meant to uh, process this, even experientially. So I feel like there's an invitation for me to let go of what? Of my way of organizing my day, of getting things done, getting caught up on email, of being in touch with people, uh, clearing up my phone, whatever, uh, or touching base with friends or whatnot, or prepping for Easter. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get caught up in those things. Like, like stay with the Lord. Just, just hold this gaze. What was he experiencing? Holding the gaze of the Father. I think that's, that's hard for us to do, but it's absolutely necessary. And he holds the gaze himself. It is kind of hard to try to relate to what Christ is going through. Um, I've read before that one of the best you know, meditative experiences we can have is to spend time pondering the cross. It was mm. um, a, a, a saint, of, I, I can't remember uh, where exactly I read it, but there's a strong recommendation to spend time pondering the mm. cross, just the cross. Because it, but it's hard to, you, you talked about this tremendous love that he had. This was his choosing. This is the moment that he waited for. Um, but it's hard for us to imagine that kind of a desire, that kind of a love. And if we ponder the, you know, the cross, we might get a moment or a glimpse or, or some type of a, of a small insight into what that's all about. But those small insights are beautiful. Yes, thank you. That's that's very well put. I do think that might be a good center, a locus for our conversation, because Jesus, you know, having loved his own, Scripture tells us he loved them till the end. And so John in his gospel, since the synoptics had already been written, and he doesn't give us the institution narrative of the Eucharist because it's already been written three times over. And so he gives us the heart of what he's doing. And there we have the kenosis. There we have this stripping of self, uh, Philippians 2. Huh? Though he was equal with the Father, he didn't deem that equality with the Father something to be taken advantage of. And so he empties himself. And so he strips down. That would be very uncomfortable, I think, for you and me to have Jesus kind of stripped down to nothing but a um, loincloth and a, and a towel around his waist and, and going after our feet. So when I was doing the foot washing right. uh, Thursday, it, it was, I mean, there's a lot of fungus under a lot of those toenails <laughs> I was looking at. And uh, like... Uh, that was very interesting. And I did both feet, too. I, I kind of like to do both feet, <laughs> if at all possible. But it's a, it's a very intimate, humble gesture and uh, really quite beautiful. I, I enjoyed doing it, but, but it was very real. I mean, sure. the guys did not have a pedicure before they came, that's for sure. <laughs> long toenails. So it's kind of messy. And I just think the, the disciples themselves wearing, what, sandals with no socks, they would have dusty, cracked feet. And so Peter kind of says what we're all thinking, ah, don't wash my feet. Let me get myself together a little bit first. Let me get that pedicure, manicure, any kind of cure to, uh, before we can have an intimate dialogue. And that's, no, Jesus wants to meet us in our messiness. All right. The beginning of this self-gift, this beginning of this total pouring himself out. And as we come to the Good Friday liturgy, uh, Ray, I just find it so beautiful. It's very touching. And as a priest, to watch people come up to the crucifix and to watch them reverence the crucifix in every way imaginable. Uh, it's quite varied in, in how people approach Jesus, but that can be a very moving experience as I thought, think of times in my past where as I begin 
just I'm making, making a humble gesture beforehand. Like it can bring tears to my eyes. Just, ah, oh, it's so amazing what our Lord chose to do for me. Uh, as St. Paul says, and Pope Benedict wants us to always reflect that he did this for me. Huh? Just, it just, uh, it's overwhelming. So the Good Friday liturgy, it's not a mass, is one of my very favorites. Uh, it just pours out what he took upon himself. Isaiah, uh, the scorn, the, um, there's a phrase in Italian, my favorite phrase in Italian is from Isaiah, that reading, that first reading we had on Good Friday, of before whom one covers one's face. So he's so um, so wounded, so bleeding, so, you know, it's just like, oh, it's quite hard to look at. And in, in Italian, they say, davanti al quale ci si copre la faccia. Just lovely phrase in the very deep Italian of um, in front of whom we cover the face, uh, we cover our face. He's just so scorned, so mocked. Um, but that's our lover. That's the one who brings me into existence, and I only find myself holding that gaze. It's kind of a bloody gaze, uh, but it's a loving gaze, and I'm invited to surrender my sufferings and see my own sins on his body. Each sin we commit, Ray, uh, causes some kind of laceration that we need to recognize on his body. There's a objective nature to sin. It's not something yes. fluffy. Um, it actually has a real effect, and... Uh, and see that, and then to see his greater love. So I see my sins on him, and I'm receiving his blood on me. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful juxtaposition and uh, what the church fathers call a admirabile commercium, which is a, uh, an admirable commerce exchange, you know, that God gives us himself, gives us uh, renewal. We put our sins on him, and he gives us complete renewal if we allow those sins to be carried by him, which is not easy to do. We kind of want to carry my own sins. I do want to fix myself and, and get ready for intimacy with Jesus and get my act together, and then we can have closeness, can't we, Jesus? And the answer is nope. He wants to meet me in my messiness, not despite my messiness. Yeah, and and it's, um, you know, it's his messiness that, um, you know, we're, I think there's something, uh, something beneficial, something healthy about you know, looking at Christ, as you say, with his face uncovered, with the Christ marred with all the lacerations and so forth, and just try to feel and sympathize with the pain he underwent for us. As you say, you know, his sacrifice was an infinite sacrifice that every sin adds to, uh, you know, the the pains and the agony that, that he underwent. And he, you know, felt and experienced that at that time, uh, and so if we sympathize with him, what can we give Christ? What is it that we can give Christ? We, you know, we pray to him, hey, can you, this is the, what, the prayers of petition where it's like, can you do this for me? Can you, you know, can you help this sick member of my family? Can you help me with this thing I'm struggling with? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? But if we just simply sympathize with him and try to feel his pain and what he was undergoing, that's getting us towards that intimate relation, I think, that you were talking about. Yes, yes. I think we can move even from um, from proper sympathy to even empathy, where I begin to feel a little bit what he's feeling. So not only do I see my own sins on Jesus, I see the sins of the world. You just said so, um, that he's paying the price for all sin in the world. It's just so horrific. It's so amazing uh, what God is willing to do for love of humankind to give us another chance. And to watch that love in action 
is it's an invitation, as you said earlier, just to ponder the crucified one. Ponder the crucified one. They would be willing to, to pay the price. The sin has a price, uh, and so it has to be paid for. There's a, there's a, a cup uh, in the Old Testament. It's called a cup of wrath. There's, there's a wrath. There's a, can I, uh, can yes. I just maybe just interrupt you sure. there for just a second? So the cup of wrath, let, we'll, we'll, sure. so th- don't uh, let me interrupt your train of thought. So, but I do want to uh, just simply remind everybody that they are listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents uh, coming to, oh, I don't think I mentioned this before. This is coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, which is which is what? Which is the Rome of the West. It is, it is. Um, and uh, so this is St. Joseph Radio. And uh, by the way, there is a uh, Catholic Woman of the Year uh, dinner that's coming up later this year. If you've got anybody that you want to nominate, uh, please go and visit stjosephradio.net. Or uh, you can call 636-447-6000 which is the same number you would use if you want to get a uh, recording of this program. There is no charge for the recording. Uh, just We simply ask people to pay for postage and handling, but for the recording itself, no charge. 636-447-6000. So with that little piece of business out of the way, um, maybe we can return to the cup of wrath that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably really holding on the listeners. And now we go into our infomercial. All right, so uh, so we're we're speaking Old Testament theology, and there's a price to be paid for sin. Okay, and so, but God Himself chooses to pay that price. Uh, sin does have a price. Um, and there's a justice that's due. Uh, mercy itself is based on justice, that something is due. If, if, um, if you owed me $20, Ray, um, which you do, by the way. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was hoping you'd forget. Then, and I said, hey, no, Ray, forget it. Um, then that's merciful towards me, but it's because in justice, you actually owe me $20 if that were the case. And so to uh, God pays the price of justice by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three of them choosing to drink to the dregs uh, or to allow the Son to drink to the dregs this chalice of bitter suffering. And St. Thomas Aquinas speaks about the various chalices that Christ has to drink the most bitter is the chalice of loneliness, feeling aloneness. Um, so he, he drinks that out of love. He pays the price. God pays the price. How hard it must have been for the Father to let this happen. I would recommend to the listeners that they sometime see the new movie that just came out called His Only Son. It's with the Angel Studios production, which is the same as The Chosen, and a different director, however. And he uh, shows the what Abraham's call to sacrifice, what's most precious to him, his only son. And so Abraham's on this three-day journey towards Mount Moriah, which is current day Jerusalem. How interesting, huh? And his son's walking up with the, with the wood, and he says, where is the lamb, Father? I see the wood for the sacrifice. And you just see this wood that he's carrying. Like, he looks like Jesus. And uh, now Abraham's not going to have to sacrifice his son um, at the last minute, the last second, but God the Father will. He's going to have to carry it through to the end. It's a choice the Father has to go through. But I, I recommend that movie, which is in movie theaters, uh, hopefully, it'll eventually, it'll be out on the app of The Chosen, or I, I don't know how we'll find it, but I'm sure it'll be available somehow. And rec- I recommend that because you get to know the Father, because the, the face of Abraham throughout that movie is so anguished. He, he loves his son so and would so much rather sacrifice himself than let his son be sacrificed. That is just so hard for the Father. 
And that's exactly right. That Theologically, that's exactly correct. This is not some angry father punishing his son, as in some poor theologies of the past, and some Protestant theologies has some of that, that notion. But of course, God's not this angry God who's wrathful, and, and the son kind of stands in between you and me and pays the price of that wrath of the father. No, 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 no. God is love. That defines his very essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's a triune act to redeem us by paying the price that has to be paid. Uh, God set it up such that sin does have a weight, and hence we have the experience of death, the experience of suffering, all these things, separation, um, because sin has a weight to remind us of that weight. So whenever you and I suffer a little bit, whenever we're, we know that we're, we're getting closer to death, array, all of us are, um, these are all reminders that, that sin has a weight. Um, and you and I are involved. St. Uh, Paul says, in Adam, we've all sinned. And that's for sure. We can't just blame Adam and Eve. We know we, we're only too well their children. Uh, we fit only too well as their children. You know, I've, as you're talking, I'm reminded of the reading from just last night, where um, from the letter to the Hebrews, where it's talking about the fact that, that Christ offered prayers and supplications mm-hmm. with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And then what, what, if, you know, what, is, uh, what does the letter say next? He's going to be saved? No, it says he was heard because of his reverence. He was heard, okay? And then it says, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And, you know, is it, you know, before we were talking about Good how memory, it's... memory, Ray. I'm impressed. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> you it's, must be a lawyer or something. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to put ourselves into Christ's shoes and try to think what, what Christ was thinking. But it's a passage like that that helps us think of what the Father was thinking. Yes. How much yes. pain. You've got your only son. He's offering supplications and prayers with loud cries and tears. And the Father's listening to that. Mm. And regardless... Mm. You know, he's, no, no, you have to you have to go through this. Learning obedience through what he suffered. So the word obedience, Ray, you may know this, uh, comes from the Latin audire, which is mm-hmm. to listen. And so he's learning that, that listening attitude right in the midst of suffering, not despite suffering. And that is a clarion call for you and me in our sufferings, because we all have sufferings, whether they be physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever they be. And we're invited into Christ's sufferings, but it's that he's inviting us actually into a listening experience of suffering because the son is always listening for his father. He's always like trusting the father. He doesn't do anything he says without the father. He knows that this passion is coming. He knows it's going to be horrific. He's going to take upon himself the weight of all sin of the world. He's going to experience uh, that felt separation that sin causes between him and the father. He's going to take all that upon himself out of love. Uh, and listen for the Father throughout. Huh? That there's learning this obedience from a human level. Obviously, as the Son, He lived obedience. It was very consonant with His existence, with His His very uh, eternal generation from the Father. But on the human level, learning obedience. You and I are still learning obedience. Like, what is the what is the Father doing? Let's say you and I have a loved one who's dying, or or experience a health issue ourselves, or or just the suffering in the world. What is the Lord doing in our political climate, our, our ecclesial climate? Um, where is the Lord in this? And there, there's, that's an invite to a listening attitude. We don't throw up our hands and say, where is the Lord? I guess he's not here. No, no, no. Uh, where is the Father? How does the Father see this? 
and then we're able to insert our sufferings within his sufferings. God suffers with us much more than we realize. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Because um, he is, right? He, I mean, he, he's with us. It's hard for us to remember that all the time. But, he, you know, he's, it's one of the things I love about the Catholic Church is the idea that Christ is here, whether it's yeah. through communion, whether it's through confession. Mm-hmm. He is a, a loving and caring God. He's not a distant God. Mm-hmm. He wants that intimacy mm-hmm. with us. He wants to be here with us. Yes, that God is Emmanuel. So it's good to connect Christmas with this. <laughs> True to him. <laughs> kind of amazing. God is with us. But to what extent is he with us? To every degree, to the furthest extent he's with us. So God um, is with us in this suffering. So he he comes, we read in the creed, the creed gives the principal truths of the faith if someone ever asks you or me, like, so what do you Catholics believe? Just recite the creed. There you got the, the, the 12 major foundations of what we believe. And we move from, notice how in the creed, born of the Virgin Mary, so that's uh, at Bethlehem, and all of a sudden the next event, crucified under Pontius Pilate, <laughs> yes, huh? yes. was suffered, died, and was buried. So we just skipped 33 years because he came to die. Jesus wanted to show how much he was with us, that he wanted to experience our suffering from within and carry the brunt of our sins and the world's sins and alienation from God so as to redeem it by love because everything he's doing here, of course, is, is chosen by love. He chooses this. John's gospel is particularly poignant in this regard, really emphasizing how much Jesus is choosing this passion, this suffering. He knew it was coming. He didn't, uh, it didn't just happen to him, and he was overwhelmed by it. He very much chose it and, and went, <laughs> went right into the bowels of death. I mean, he chose death uh, out of love, and he's going to blow up hell from within. Uh, there's, um, there's a nice image for that um, of Christ on the cross is not so much the victim. He's actually the aggressor. <laughs> because Adam and Eve were deceived by the deceiver, okay, right, Satan, and now God's going to deceive the deceiver, who's Satan. So Satan was the strong man. He had a hold in the world, and now we've got someone stronger than him who's going to bind him. How is he going to bind him? He's going to deceive the deceiver. On the cross, it may seem like Christ is the vanquished one, the victim. Oh, no, 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 no. He's the aggressor because he's chosen this for love, and when he's going to be pulled down into Sheol, the realm of the shadows, hell, um, that was a big mistake on Satan's part. He's going to blow it up from within because he died for love, and there is nothing stronger than love. That is uh, our cue, that little music in the background uh, that will grow a little louder and louder. That's our cue that we're about to uh, take a short break, but we will be back, and we hope that you stay with us and, and join us again. We continue our discussion. We are here today uh, with Father Anthony Wick. We are discussing the Triduum, uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, Easter Sunday. What that means, the intimacy that Christ wants to have with us, especially during these days, these blessed days, when the Holy Spirit can act with us and, 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 and upon us. So please stay with us. We will be right back. 
Hi, this is Matt Logaman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. So, welcome back. Again, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, uh, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We are here in studio today talking with Father Anthony Wick about, oh, guess what? Holy Saturday. And not only that, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, how they go together. Uh, you know, what, uh, what are we to perhaps uh, take of this thing that we call the Paschal Mystery? It's, obviously, it's, a, it's an incredibly deep uh, mystery. But it is something that we're trying to unravel maybe just a little bit here today. And one of the things we were talking about that seems a little strange on the surface is this idea of Christ being the aggressor from the cross. Yes. St. Francis Xavier in his castle in Javier, uh, Spain, they had this big, beautiful crucifix that he was growing up with. And the on the the face of Jesus has a slight, almost Mona Lisa smile to it. He knows what he's doing, okay? I'm not going to propose that Jesus was smiling on the cross. I think it was tremendous agony for him. But the spirit is right there, that he knows what he's doing. Huh? He's going to plunder hell. Uh, he had promised his disciples what? He promised at Caesarea Philippi that uh, he took them to that scary place, which was dedicated to the God of fear, Thank you, Greeks and Romans, the God Pan, the God of fear, and God of nature also, and, um, and said, you know, the gates of hell in front of which you now stand, there's this big pit that goes way down to the depths of the earth that they thought went all the way to the netherworld. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, gates are not something that attack you and me, right? There's a wonderful seat conference by Jason Everett um, a couple months ago, and he talked about how gates are not something that are thrown against you and me. They protect and so the gates of hell are protective gates for hell. And guess what? Someone's going to plunder hell. 
Uh, all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> that just came to me. But this okay. is small h hell, uh, and I, that needs to, some distinction too. In other words, uh, Jesus, it, he descended into hell, going back to our creed. He descended into hell, that, that place of, of separation from God. When in, whenever anybody died, including Abraham, Moses, all these wonderful greats and people in between, they were not able to go to heaven. The gates of uh, heaven was closed ever since Adam and Eve fell. We know about that. But the gates of hell are going to be plundered, so the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So, Ray, you and I are called to be sent out with Jesus to plunder hell and all of those who are caught up in the web of hell and caught up in hellishness and like slavery. There's always, in sin, there's always a slavery there. So we're called to bring freedom and preach the freedom. In Christ is freedom. And for freedom, we've been made free and to, to draw others into that freedom. So, yes, um, he goes down to, to that place where, um, and he preaches to the souls in prison, says, says uh, St. Peter. Now, how does he preach to the souls in prison? Now, there are a couple ways of understanding this. The way of the East and the Orthodox of the East is Jesus goes down. We've seen him depicted holding a white flag, uh, very robust, very buff, very ripped in all of his muscles, and is strongly going down on Holy Saturday to preach to the souls in prison, his victory. Okay, that's possible. Uh, we'll find out in the next life. But there's another image that speaks to me much more deeply, and it's the image of Holbein. Um, it's an image of, of Jesus laid out on the, on the rock, on the stone, and his body's just emaciated. It's a real broken body. And we know from the catechism that death is a separation of body and soul. So both body and soul had to remain united to his divine person. And yet it was the soul that went down to prison. And, and in my image, the, I, I prefer an image where it speaks more to me, and I think it might be more true. We'll find out in the next life, where Jesus like preached by his total self-gift. He had nothing left to give. And his message to all the souls in prison in Sheol, the realm of the shadows, that's the Jewish name for it, was... By the way, this isn't yet capital H L. We'll speak about that in a second. But his message was, are you willing to give up everything huh? and to become like me? If you are, I'm total self-gift. Then you can join me on the way of the resurrection. Huh? But you have to enter into total self-gift. After he leaves there, after he gives them this last chance, if any soul you know, chooses, no, I, I, I reject this redemption, this offer, I would rather burn in hell uh, than to let go of this offense I have or this way of acting, this addictive behavior I have. There's no way in hell I want to let go of this. And so I choose hell over this letting go. Huh? I choose slavery. Well, every human will has that ability to choose slavery. So those who choose that, hell becomes a real capital H hell, so to speak. That's my language. But the point is that it's now a rebellion, uh, infinite rebellion against what God has done and him becoming incarnate in the Son to redeem us, to give us this option. And I say, hell no to it. I say, I, would, I, I, I don't accept that. It's too humble. I don't want to let go. This is a power thing. I, I can't let go of this offense. I feel power by holding on to it, whatever it is. I, I want to hurt that person back, whatever my, whatever my issue is. So, so then it becomes, uh, from that point on and, and to this day, uh, hell is very much a rebellion against what God has done in Jesus. Mm -hmm. You talked about um, 
self-giving, that if you join him in that, you can join him in, in the resurrection. People, and, and of course, you know, this reminds me of there's a, there's a book that was uh, very helpful to me, uh, Pope Benedict wrote, uh, I, think, I think the title was Jesus is Near Us. Jesus of Nazareth? I, no, oh. Jesus is Near Us. Oh, is Near Us, I'm sorry, yes. Mm-hmm. And he explained the connection between Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, uh, this way, that basically uh, he gave them his body on Holy Thursday. Mm. And so they partook of the body, and they were joined to his body. And then on Good Friday, he sacrificed his body. Mm. And the sacrifice was the offering to the Father of his body, which is now joined to these the 12 apostles and so forth, or 11. Mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that offer then is accepted, which I really liked. It was an offer and acceptance, which is kind of a legal uh, analogy, which I really liked. But, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, <laughs> but anyways, um, but then the father accepted the offer and in exchange allowed uh, or granted, you know, eternal salvation to Christ and to the rest of the body of Christ, which is all of us, which is why the Eucharist is so important that, you know, we, that's the way we have life within us. We're joined to Christ in that way. And so that's a, that's a tremendous kind of image for me. But, you know, is it enough just to partake of the Eucharist? To join with Christ, don't we also have to maybe share in his suffering? We all, as you mentioned before, we all have things that we suffer. There are lots of things that we suffer. But maybe if we offer them, to Christ, isn't that the importance of offering it to Christ? That you, you are asking Christ or, or submitting to Christ that this little suffering, if I accept it happily, wholly, unreservedly, uh, just without complaining, without whatever it is that I, that I'm suffering, large or small illness, or maybe there's just a person I don't get along with, whatever it is, if we offer it without complaining to Christ. Um, isn't that the self-giving that you were talking about, that in a little way we're joining ourselves to his suffering? Yes, I think they're intimately connected. So entering into the Eucharist, being drawn into the heart of Christ through the Eucharist, that is an experience, if we allow that to happen in its fullness, it's definitely an experience of being drawn into his suffering. You can't have one without the other. This is a this is an experience of life only comes through death. Life through death, huh? That's the that, that's the Christian Christian experience, um, and so you have yes. As you were speaking, I was just reflecting how much Holy Thursday we start with the Eucharist, huh? this this self gift of Himself, and He gives His very body. How awkward that must have been for Jesus to have His body outside of His body, huh? And drawing us into His body, so we become one in union with him. We find our rightful place within the body of Christ. If you and I were a cell within the body of Christ, we're drawn into him. That's what spiritual food does. In natural food, it becomes one with us, but in spiritual food, we're drawn out of ourselves into him. And so that leads us into the sacrificial gift. So the the memorial of his passion is given us in the Eucharist. So as Christ wins this victory, dying for love, and being drawn back, it's a triune act of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all working the resurrection. This is memorialized for us in the Eucharist because the Eucharist draws us into his death. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. He's offering himself to the Father. 
we know that that's what the Mass is. It's a representation of Calvary. We're made present at Calvary again, the one historical event that lasts throughout all time. We're made present there again. How awesome that is. And as we watch Jesus offer himself to the Father, the popes teach us we ourselves are offered with Christ to the Father. We enter into his sacrifice, and I receive an ability through the Eucharist to sacrifice myself, to give of myself, to surrender myself and experience freedom therein. And I also offer up all my sufferings and, and normal, like you say, daily sacrifices with Jesus to the Father. So I sacrifice myself, and all my sufferings and sacrifices now become redemptive for the world, too. How amazing that little old me can help, uh, to, can be a co-redeemer in the world. That God, it's so ennobling, you know. God, God can do it all by himself, and yet he chooses to have disciples. He chooses to have apostles. He chooses you and me, Ray, uh, to enter into this this sacrificial offering to help redeem the world. So amazing. Exactly. I mean, what you're really talking about, uh, I mean, that's really true freedom, isn't it? It's, 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 it's transcendent. I mean, we, if we connect ourselves through the Eucharist and through sufferings willingly accepted, we connect ourselves to Christ, and then all of a sudden, as you say, I mean, our little contribution can take on proportions that we can't even begin to fathom. Yes. We begin to see to what the Lord is doing here. So like entering into the Eucharist, I would say it kind of, it, it takes away the cataracts of my spiritual vision. I don't see what's going on around me. I don't know why these people are treating me so. I don't know why um, this is happening. Why did that fall through? Why did that event? Why is my car having difficulties? What, and it takes away those cataracts of frustrations with myself or with the world or with my brothers or whatever. And I begin to see what God may be doing here, and I begin to listen better to him. Yes, so the Eucharist is, uh, is great for, for purifying and taking our cataracts off so we have spiritual vision again to see as God sees, which is frankly the only objective view. And in the Eucharist, I see myself as God sees me. And I frankly think that's hard to do. I frankly think all of us struggle with an objective self-view, and I have my view, and I want to, but to hold the gaze, I feel it's hard. I've had this image recently coming to me in the last few days, that holding the gaze of the Father to know myself in the eyes of the Father is like being a compressed spring. So maybe it's part of being male, too. I always want to do something or something, but I think that it's, it, it goes across both sexes um, in different ways, but but I feel like a compressed spring, just to hold the gaze is hard. I want to do something for God. I want to, I almost want to be distracted. Uh, I'm not worthy of that, or I'm not comfortable with that like eye-to-eye contact. Sure. And to hold the gaze um, is is something I have to work at. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know why it's that way. Maybe I'll get better at it over time. But I have to hold myself, be still, Father Anthony. It's okay, you don't, feel worthy or you don't, you know, but hold the gaze. It, to me, it's like being a compressed spring. And if you and I are compressing a spring, at first it's easy to compress the spring, but to hold that for a whole hour, <laughs> right. a compressed spring, like during this radio uh, talk, you know, would be really hard. It would start to get harder and harder to hold that compressed spring. But I think God wants to give us the grace to do just that. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about um, trying to connect with Jesus and think about the cross, ponder the cross, put ourselves there with Christ on the cross. I was talking to someone the other day, 
And they had a question for me. Okay, so what do you Catholics say when so many people talk about the fact that, hey, you know, you re-crucify Christ, you yeah. know, and, you know, how can you possibly do that? But, I mean, isn't the answer that, or, or, or tell me, I mean, aren't we, isn't that what the Mass is in a way? Are we allowing us the opportunity to ponder the cross and then we can actually, when we're talking about this idea of transcendence, we can actually... If we connect to God who's timeless, be there at the time of the crucifixion, we can actually sort of mystically connect ourselves. I think there's even a Greek term in the Mass, the anamnesis. Anamnesis. Um, but isn't that what we're really doing with the Mass, is that we're really trying to connect with Christ on the cross? Yes, we're definitely uh, placed there, and um, we... We're placed uh, there at the cross. I would say more that God has all time in himself, and so we enter into God's time, which is kairos, and so we experience the fruits of that sacrifice. If you look at the preparation for that sacrifice, you had a daily offering of animals in the temple. And without the shedding of blood, this is, we read in the book of Hebrews, but it's a mantra throughout the whole Old Testament, there is no forgiveness of sin. Sin, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Okay, so that's, that was the experience, that there has to be, something has to give its life to pay the price for my sin and our sin. And so that's why, uh, if I were a Jewish priest, Time. It was a vir- virtual hemorrhage of blood, blood says uh, Archbishop Sheen. So I would have blood on my hands all the time. You'd be providing goats and animals for me to cut and open and pour the blood out over the, the, um, the base of the altar. And so there had to be that daily sacrifice, and that's why there's the midday prayer for the Jewish people was during the time of the temple sacrifice. So that, that has to be an ongoing experience of bloodletting. And so when God gives his own blood— his own divine blood, that is an experience that has to be re-experienced for us and our part. It has to be regularly and often re-experienced. It's like a a shower of grace that that cleanses me of my sin because sin keeps welling up in me, and I need that regular cleansing, just like you and I take a natural shower to keep our body clean, our exterior body. So too, I need that interior soul cleaned and that has to be a regular experience. So the Mass can't just be a one and done. Jesus did it once for all 2,000 years ago, and I'm just grateful he did it for me. Uh, no, it's a daily experience of being... Justification for the Catholic is something that's an ongoing daily process. I'm constantly brought to where Jesus... What what God is asking of me, he gives me that grace um, through his mercy, pours, lifts me up to that place that he wants me to be, but I need that daily. Otherwise... If I didn't need that daily, I would probably think highly of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, in terms of thinking about ourselves, uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, We're here today with Father Anthony Wick talking about the Triduum and what it means and what we what we can, you know, allow it to mean for us. Uh, and uh, I will also mention one more time that if you do want a recording of, of this broadcast, you simply call 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, and you can have us uh, send you a, a, a copy of this recording. Uh, no charge, absolutely free, except for postage and handling. We do have to pay our own expenses here, so we would thank you for that. But now to return to, uh, to our discussion, Father, um, 
So if we're talking about the triduum, and uh, you know we are trying to place ourselves, you know, back into that time uh, when all of this was taking place. If we try to connect ourselves to that time and and that sacrifice um, by uh, by Jesus, and of course his apostles and what they're thinking of today, this is Holy Saturday for them. This is Saturday. He, you know, the the Messiah, their Savior, he's gone. Yeah, they don't know about Easter Sunday just yet. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. you know he's he's told them that this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but they don't understand yet. So I don't know. Um, can you imagine the depression, the mm-hmm. you know the the deep you know anxiety they've got? Mm-hmm. You know now they're alone, yeah. and the authorities are against them. Maybe they're going to come after you know them too, and yet there's something that awaits them. Wow, very good. Thank you for bringing that up, Ray. Yes, there's uh, in Holy Saturday. This is a hiatus place. Uh, it's a we're in between the death of Jesus and the resurrection, and there are alleluias are absolutely forbidden on this day. Huh? No masses can be offered. We are still in the triduum, and so many of us want to anticipate Easter. We're already buying lilies. We're getting places ready. We're getting our Sunday best on things like that. It's like no, 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 no. Stay in that place of the tomb. Huh? Enter into that place of the tomb. Uh, Drek D was just talking to me recently about entering, being drawn into the tomb, and they're experiencing Jesus like crushing Satan. I mean, so active, crazy active in destroying the spiritual powers of the world on Holy Saturday. This, this infinite place he went to. So because sin causes separation from God, estrangement, he took sin upon himself to the point where St. Paul says uh, that he, you know, like became sin for us even. So he united himself so much to that sin while being God that he experiences that distinct. This is the end around of God that no matter how many sinners are running away from him at breakneck speed, he gives one last chance for encounter with Christ um, because he goes to the furthest extreme and takes that upon himself. And to draw all of that in to the Father's plan, that everything can be redeemed for those who are willing uh, to be redeemed. So this is, a, this is like a free fall. When Jesus dies on the cross, his mission is not done. He like goes off into free fall. Into, he descends into hell, huh? to that place. It's a, it's a frightening experience. It's incredible. And it's good for you and me to be overwhelmed, um, not know what to do with that. It's not unlike, Ray, when we go to confession. It's a nice idea if the priest—I I do this myself. You want to give some sense of the gravity of this sin, not that you and I add gravity to it, but if you came to me to confession, I'm sure you wouldn't have much to say, but that's okay. No, I, no I, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> so um, I would give a little hiatus there. After you're done confessing, Ray, I would say, all right, let's let the Lord carry the weight of that sin upon himself now on the cross, Okay which is it's giving you a sense that, okay, that does have some weight, my sin. Let's let, and you, you're kind of in a nervous place there, but I have to be okay with that, okay? I'm not here to just, oh, okay, it's over now. I, I'm here to let, there's a gravity of what you just confessed, Ray. Anybody, that's why I go to confession too. There's a gravity yeah, you, you of what can, I confessed to me because I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of sinning. Yes. <laughs> um, and, um, and so that's the hiatus place where there's kind of this nervous, uh, waiting in between, just a few moments on the priest's part, it's, it represents the Holy Saturday experience. Like, what's going to happen, you know? 
because you're right, you cannot anticipate Easter. It's, it blows the mind what God's going to do, huh? And the life that he's going to give us. And when you and I come out of confession after receiving absolution, we are not only back in order, we are brought to a higher order. We're even closer with the Lord than we were before. Uh, he not only takes it upon himself, but he gives us new life in each of those areas that you confessed. You confess these lacunae, these gaps, these holes, these selfishnesses, is that a word? Um, and, and now God's going to fill them with his life. And so Ray's coming out of that confessional supercharged, not just less guilty, less weighty on his shoulder. You definitely will be less weighty. But you're actually like walking on the water of grace, and you've resolved not to fall into these things again. And I'm telling you, you can walk on water like Peter. You and I are supposed to walk on water even before we're fully converted. Peter, that, that scene blows me away, but he's walking on water uh, before he's, he's fully, he's not the converted Peter yet. That happens after Pentecost. And you and I can also walk on water in the sense of like walking on grace and mercy. I can love people that I normally couldn't. I can see myself in a more objective way. I can do things I normally couldn't do. Thanks to that that surrendering grace of confession, which is, again, this, this, this cleansing, let the blood of Christ wash over me. And it's amazing the power that's in the blood. Uh, it's a good way to pray the uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet, too, I suggest. It's like, pray it experientially. Imagine the blood of Christ flowing over you for the sake of his sorrowful passion. You're talking to the Father. For the sake of your son's sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Make it a gerund. He's having mercy on me and on the whole world. I'm like taking a bloodbath. Not to get gross, but it's just like it's a beautiful bloodbath. It's incredibly cleansing, and the blood in the blood is life. The Jewish people understood that in the blood is life, and I'm receiving His life. And all of a sudden, I'm loving you with His life. I'm loving people I don't even like, including enemies. You know, uh, with with God's love. And like I can't do that. I certainly can't. But actually, He can do it in me. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so um, this has been uh, this has been a, a tremendous discussion. I mean, this, this talking of and I like this idea, and it's one that you know hasn't really occurred to me before. But allowing yourself to dwell on your own sin, because then that does heighten the appreciation for the forgiveness of sin, as you say. And people come out of confession just refreshed and elated. Uh, we have been uh, discussing the triduum here with Father Anthony Wick, and Father, again, I want to thank you so much for giving us out of your time. This is a very busy time of the year. And to uh, give us some of it, we are, are very grateful. But we've been talking about the Triduum, Easter, uh, Good Friday, uh, Holy Thursday. We've been talking about trying to connect ourselves with Christ. And yes, if we can imagine, you know, what our sin is, and we just allow that to, to dwell on our minds for a little bit, we can, in fact, uh, be so much more grateful for Easter. And we thank you for being here with us. Please join us again next time uh, when we'll bring you another program. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.